Welcome to the Misfits and Mystics podcast, a podcast where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. My name is uh, Abra, and and my name is Alicia. What up, girl? What's cracking? What's cracking? What's good? Hey. I got energy today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How was your day, your weekend? It's President's Day, so you're off work, yeah? Yes, I am off work. That's probably why I have energy, now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I had a great weekend. I went back home for the weekend to celebrate um, initially two birthdays, but then I ended up just celebrating all of the February birthdays that were surrounding me. So my father my oldest sister, my friend Lauren, and then my sister-in-law and her twin sister. um, Celebrated all those weekends, all those weekends, what? All those birthdays this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And um, ended up being a good time. I spent some time with my friends as well. And it it just was great energy. Like we had brunch and it was just great. I had great food this weekend. I have no complaints, honestly. Well, yeah, I, I could saw... complain, but I won't. So <laughs> okay, yeah, I saw in like one of your stories, maybe it was Snapchat or something, where y'all like were at a like a hibachi grill. Yeah, so it was actually my dad's first time. So if we go to those type of restaurants, they have where you can like sit at a table, and so usually when my family goes, because there's so many of us, we'll just sit at a table and just order food. So I didn't realize that my dad had never been to the hibachi side. Like most of the restaurants have both sides. Right. Um, so it was his first time being on the hibachi side and it was a surprise. And I just found out that he loves surprises. I didn't know that. So he just, it was so great. Cause I was sitting right next to him and you could just feel that he just has such good energy and just being surrounded by, you know, all his kids. So that's another thing. We don't always come together all the time. Um, and he just, he was happy the whole time. So. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love making my parents happy. Yes. Um, yeah, like since moving back home, it's been so cool just to hang out with my mom and dad a lot. And I love making my mom laugh. <laughs> I've discovered that, I don't know, I have this gift to just bring her joy and laughter and a lot of times I'm just speaking my mind and she just finds it super hilarious. Yeah. yeah well, I guess we should kind of get into it. Um, wanted to address something first, a little more serious. Um, this episode is going to be fun, like our, the main thing we're talking about. But I wanted to address something that's a little more serious because it's kind of come up Um, in life and in social media and all this stuff. So for those of you that are on Twitter, um, because I feel like that's mostly where a lot of the conversation, I see it happening. Um, So Chris Pratt, who's an actor, um, was called out by Ellen Page, another actor, basically being like, calling him out for supporting churches or attending churches that have this sort of ambiguity culture around LGBTQ inclusion in the church. And obviously that brought up 
a lot of conversation, particularly pertaining to church clarity, which I am a proud advocate of. Um, So church clarity is basically a crowdsourced database that scores local congregations on clarity and how they communicate uh, their actively enforced policies. And right now they are mainly scoring churches on their policies involving LGBTQ plus uh, inclusion um, and affirmation and also women in ministry. And they're not judging or advocating for a church to change their policy. Like no one is saying like you have to have you have to be affirming or you have to be non-affirming. They're basically just trying to standardize how we disclose those policies. And I think that the work that they're doing is crucial to women and LGBTQ people because a lot of times we are the most vulnerable when it comes to the lack of clarity in churches. I can recall many times visiting churches, attending churches, and even being member, being a member of churches where the policies weren't always clear. And I was always unsure about what my place was and could be in that church. Um, I always felt like, you know, what if I feel called to teach or lead or serve in some capacity, but I might be denied that access because of my identity as a woman or my identity as a queer person. So I think what they're doing is super great, but obviously a lot of people, they get a lot of pushback because a lot of people are twisting the narrative that, you know, they're trying to force some agenda. And I just want to say that there's no agenda other than just supporting people being clear about, um, how they enforce their policies. And, you know, your policies are going to be based on your beliefs and your convictions, but no one's trying to dictate what your convictions are. Um, Just in the context of institutional churches and bodies of, you know, organizations, uh, we want people to be able to know what's going on so people can make informed decisions about where they want to spend their time, their money, their energy, because at the end of the day, you know, churches are kind of like a business these days. You know, people pay tithes and offering and make donations and pour in their resources to keep the ship afloat. And honestly, I don't feel like it's fair to mislead me into, you know, pouring in my full self, my resources, you know, all of it only to be denied access later and then try to give me this BS about, you know, we love everybody and everybody's even being. Okay, obviously everyone's a human being. No one's denying that. We just want to know how can I function as a human being (laughs) in this church? So um, in the spirit of clarity, I wanted to clarify some things about this podcast. Um, this podcast is LGBTQ plus affirming. 
This podcast advocates for all LGBTQ plus people to have access to all rights and privileges as a citizen of this country, a citizen of the world, and a citizen of wherever they choose to worship or serve in their faith or spiritual practice. This podcast is also affirming of women in ministry and leadership, meaning we believe that women are capable and equipped to be called to preach, teach, lead in any and all functions. So this is an inclusive space. And I recognize that not everyone's voice that you hear on this podcast, um, we never know what guests we're going to get and what they believe and where they're at in their journey. Um, They may not agree with that stance and that's okay. I'm not here to dictate what people should and shouldn't believe. This is a safe space to have a conversation and agreement isn't a requirement to sit at my table, at least, you know. However, clarity, respect, and the willingness to listen are a requirement to be in my space. Um, but at the as the creator of this podcast, I vow to always prioritize the safety and needs of the most vulnerable. And in this case... It's those of us that are on the margins, and that includes queer people, trans people, black and brown people, indigenous people, women, immigrants, all of it. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that. And also, um, you know, in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about being pro-black and, you know, it's Black History Month. And I wanted to make this a crucial statement to the black church specifically because in many of those types of spaces these conversations aren't happening and if they are happening it's filled with ambiguity negativity um, and just not productive to move on to where people can be best served and I feel like one shouldn't have to go through unnecessary pain um, only to be given, you know, BS answers like, well, we love you. We accept you. You're a human being. Um, That's not what we're asking at this point. We just want to know, can I preach? Can I teach? Can I lead? Can I get married? Um, Are you cool with my kids? You know, those sorts of things. Um, So I really, 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 really encourage each and every one of you, if you belong to a church of any kind, submit your church, verify its score. You can do this at churchclarity.org, and I will have all of that information in the show notes. Um, Yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about, something that I'm not really backing down on. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make that statement before we get into the fun stuff. So, um, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> so this week we're talking about celebrating Black creatives. It's Black History Month still. Ooh. And I thought we would spend some time just highlighting our favorite Black artists um, in all sorts of mediums, including music, film, dance, 
whatever. But first I wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about uh, how Black artistry has evolved in our in the representation to being able to you know create our own spaces of inclusion what are you liking right now just about black artistry in general i think i'm just back to the the usual thought that you have every now and then when you just see some black greatness where it's just like not to you know put anybody else down but there's just something about black bodies like so this is specific to dance right now black bodies like i don't know it's just so much beauty in the movement i just saw this video i saw two videos i don't know if there's an event that happened somewhere i probably should have looked more into it but i saw two different videos of two black women um doing the samba not together it was literally two separate videos um and the things that i noticed about them first were their bodies and it wasn't even the fact that they were like you know nice and shapely it was their skin like the second video i saw this lady was like really dark skin like really really dark and i just thought that was the most beautiful thing ever and i was just i was just mesmerized by the color of her skin and then i noticed the the definition of her muscles and then i noticed her dancing and i was just like the the pile up of beauty is just, it's just too much, but in the best way. It's its just mm. in the best way. I, I just, I can't, but I can. I absolutely can. So <laughs> there's that with the dance thing, but just in general, like the tone of our voices, the way we move our bodies, whether it's through dance or just literally how we move through life, um, the content we create, the way that we relate to not just other black people, but just people in general. We just have this overall beauty and grace and aggression and effectiveness. It's just so much that comes with being black that's not taught. I think that's the most important thing to me. It's like, it's just embedded in us somehow. And different things come from different individuals. We don't all have the same things, um, the same qualities or characteristics about us. Um, but as a whole, we, we just make up such a wonderful group of people. So that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Just just appreciating, literally just appreciating Blackness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's so much, there's always been so much beauty and vibrancy among Black people. And the ability to create such beautiful things in the midst of so much pain and trauma and adversity I think I think part of that is what makes it so beautiful is that you can see the fullness of the person Mm -hmm. and everything that makes up who they are including some of the bad things that we go through as people and I but I think there's something to be said about artists that have uh, survived a certain level of atrocity if you will and just to see the resiliency manifested in their art is some of the most 
beautiful things that I think anyone can encounter. And I feel like now, nowadays, we're coming up on a revival of this appreciation, like you were saying, this celebration of Blackness and using uh, the creative space as a medium to push that forward and to visualize that a little more. And it's not just about look at how far we've come, but also look at where we're headed. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I'm paying attention to the most right now is that we're not just looking back in the past and celebrating the now, but we're also being visionaries of what we want our future to look like. And I think a lot of stuff that's coming out right now, whether it's in film or dance or music, is really reflecting on that. And it's beautiful and it's exciting because I'm like, oh, like I can't wait for that future. I can't wait to see what we become, you know, and how awesome it's going to be. Um, It's something to be super, super excited for and it's exhilarating it pushes me as an artist to you know get out of the dumps because (laughs) you know as artists we're always that we kind of get into this rut of you know always trying to create these like emo like super deep um pieces of art and those have its place obviously but I'm really 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 pushing towards a more eclectic, vibrant collection of work where we're not just wallowing in our pain, but rising in our joy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I also noticed that Obviously, I think art has always been a form of activism. Um, And I think there's these ebbs and flows throughout time where that is more prevalent. Um, Obviously, we're in a climate, a social and political climate where activism um, married with art has become such a crucial thing. Um, And I think I'm noticing that there's some that are very subtle, kind of like throwing little hints and jabs. And then there are some where it's super in your face and somewhat forced. I don't know, would you say? Definitely. I don't know. And I, I think, I guess it kind of depends on who you're talking to and what the intention of the artist like had in mind. But um, I'm, I'm noticing that a lot more. And sometimes I wonder, you know, when does it become a point where we aren't so heavily saturated with the activism versus just, you know, creating art that presents our full self? So everything not always having to be wrapped up in the fighting 
And when do we just like talk about, you know, the everyday life of being black, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get, I get that. But I think it depends on, you know, like where the story is coming from. Because for some people, the everyday life is the not so great things. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think if anything, like I'm sure you're saying, and, and most people have been saying, we just need more balance because the portrayal is, is too much of one thing. And for people to take us as that one thing, it's just kind of like, okay, come on now. Y'all really think that's just mm-hmm. us. But it's like, when you don't know another side, just like an individual person, when you only see them, you know, that one time going off on somebody, then you probably think that that's just them, that they're always angry. They're always, you know, snapping. But it's just like, until you see other sides of a person, other sides of a group or a community, um, there's nothing to go off of. But there's a lot to us. Don't get it twisted, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think, in media specifically there's a history of creating this single narrative about black people and creating these tropes and i think everyone no matter your race or gender or whatever you know media creates a ton of tropes for a ton of people i think we all fall victim to that but particularly with black people it has been annoying at best and harmful at worst and I think um I think I remember growing up you know I grew up in the 90s and I would see images of black people where there was there was either the single narrative of us like there being like a single parent in the home um, perpetuating the stereotype of coming from adversity whether it was you know you're in poverty or you're experiencing discrimination of some sort but I feel like the 90s had this hidden gem like of collection of work particularly you know in the sitcom um genre you know where i feel like we were on the verge of not sticking to that single narrative and highlighting you know black people particularly the black family and uh black friendships mm-hmm where we kind of started to dismantle some of those stereotypes and started to present fully developed characters like sister sister um smart guy girlfriends my wife and kids um what else what else was out um um you said in the 90s? Moesha. Yeah. Uh, what was that show uh, with Kyla Pratt? One-on-one. On one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like there was this little pocket of 
evolution in how we tell stories and who they are highlighting. And then a lot of those shows got canceled. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of saw this just blah moment (laughs) where I feel like I wasn't like in the 2000s where I kind of wasn't seeing it as much anymore. Um, And now I feel like it's returning again with shows like Blackish and Grownish and Insecure and, you know, shows like that. But I also feel like there's that underlining element of like, we got to talk about, you know, the issues. (laughs) Um, But I feel like those shows are doing a good job of creating that balance, like you were saying. Um, Yeah, but I'm noticing the evolution of how we're being represented and how that impacts how we see ourselves and how other people see us you know yeah for sure yeah because i i don't know i feel like not all black people are the same and so not all of our stories are going to be the same but even within the the vibrancy of those shows there was still that single narrative of you know, just the way people talk mm-hmm. and the way people dress. And, you know, the Black person is always the cool one, the sassy one, the comedic relief. You know, we don't really get to see or depict, you know, Black people as sad or just well, normal. normal. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I don't really know how else to put it. And I, I noticed, like, growing up and even now, like, some of my white friends, I think because, you know, they're also seeing those images on TV. And then also with the news, you know, it's, it's kind of, like, contradicting because even now when I watch the news, it's like, if we're going to talk about a Black person on the news, um, they either have to be really, really, really good, like Obama good, or really, really, really bad like dangerous thug persona you know there's no there's no in between and so I notice a lot of my white friends they would either expect me to be you know that token person that's like Abra's the exception to the rule or they're expecting me to be you know, the typical stereotype of someone who's troubled and violent and angry and poor, you know, (laughs) and I was really none of those things. (laughs) I was just normal. (laughs) Um, I don't know. What about you? What, how do you feel like the images you saw impacted how you lived, you know, as a young black girl? Hmm. I honestly don't think I ever thought about that. Because at the same time, I was surrounded by blackness. So if anything, I think I was more so influenced by what was around me. Like I definitely remember being a kid and really, I've always paid attention to how people talk and how they use their hands when they talk 
or I don't know why I, I like really pay attention to people's mouths. Um, <laughs> and so like the way that their mouth would turn when they would say a certain word or like if they had a certain type of attitude, they were like legit upset attitude versus like, you know, flirty attitude. Like those are the type of things that I paid attention to and would, I don't know why I would just really take all of that stuff in. I guess because I've always been so fixated on like, how do I want to present myself or like, what do I like and how others present their, themselves? Like, how does this come off to me? So how would it come off from me to other people? Like, you know, that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. But honestly, <laughs> I live most of my life in my head. And so I watch TV and stuff, but like, I don't know. There's there's sitcoms going on up here that <laughs> have nothing to do with what's happening on the TV. <laughs> so, yeah, I've always been in my head, like, playing out stories, playing out. I know everybody does the whole, like, when you're in the shower, playing out an argument thing. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's, like, my life. Like, it's, it's gotten better over the past, like, couple years. But I am such a, a daydreamer uh man i would play out whole situations in my head and like sometimes i still do it's just a way that i prepare before going into situations so like i if i know i have to have a conversation with someone about something serious then i usually play out how i think like different ways that the conversation could go and I think for me, it's really good because I am usually able to prep myself. And I think that's how I'm able to stay so calm, like almost all the time. Because just going into something, not being prepared for me, I probably could easily pop off at any moment. And like, that's not even me. But you know, when you just caught off guard by stuff and then you like, you yeah. know, you're all of a sudden like offended and you know, um, I just have to think through things before. So yeah, um, I was influenced by um, Alicia TV. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like, I wish that I could have a day in the life no. of Alicia's head. <laughs> Bro, no. <laughs> because, no, that make that actually makes a lot of sense about you. Um, and it's not a bad thing. Um, I think as much as I watch and take in, I'm all also a person that's kind of always in their head and always thinking about what's next and dreaming up things. Um, I think that's a trait of being an artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that may sound a little cr crazy, I'm sure some of our listeners are like, she's in her head. Right. Like, <laughs> she crazy. Listen, I'll take it, okay? Yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome. welcome to the Crazy Club. That's why this is called Misfits. Yeah, no, seriously. And Mystics. Seriously. Okay? Um, <laughs> no, but I think, yeah, if I really think, I mean, I also was surrounded by a lot of blackness in my life. I mean, we grew up in the black church yes. okay so that's as black as you gonna Enough get of black okay just all of it like i always tell people if you want free entertainment you go to the house of god Sit in the back 
in the back corner. So you can see all things. You know? Um, I actually was a, a, a junior usher when I was a teenager. And so I was, you know, standing on the doorpost and standing on the walls. And oh, when I tell you the things that you see, you know, <laughs> you know, um, entertaining to say the least. Um, so yeah, I was surrounded by all, all of that. Obviously, I was raised by black parents. Um, you know, family reunions and holidays. And I feel like because I have such a big family, particularly on my dad's side, um, I get to see that there isn't this singular narrative. You know, there are people in my family that are like well-to-do, very established and, you know, have all their ducks in a row. (laughs) And then there are people in my family that are just still trying to find their way. Um, some people in my family are really reserved and quiet. Some people are just more out there and eccentric. Um, you know, just, I got a full spectrum of what it is to embody, you know, blackness. And I think what I've learned is that there's no one way or right way to be black. Like you are black and my pastor used to say all the time, I don't have to do anything but stay black and die. So yeah, (laughs) and that's kind of been a little bit of the philosophy that I go on these days. (laughs) I don't have to explain my blackness to you. Um, And in my book, nobody gets their black card revoked. We don't have cards. Um, you're all, no matter what you do, you're always a member of this family and, you know, I'm going to love you no matter what, and there's nothing you can do about it. So even though sometimes you may do stuff that's trash. (laughs) And I think, I don't know, I think that's something that I would like to see more in media, particularly. I feel like we're so protective of blackness because it's been exploited and um appropriated so much that we you know we want we sometimes that protectiveness sort of becomes this urgency for a monolith and I think I kind of want like people to just kind of chill out and let people find their way and express themselves the way they want to express themselves um yeah I don't know yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of hard for even for black people because oftentimes, like I said, certain black people only have what's around them. And so they think that their blackness is the way that blackness is supposed to be. And so until you're exposed to other forms of blackness or just people in general and you just, you know, are smart. And you realize that nobody is the same, then you know we can be more accepting of ourselves because that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna celebrate us yeah. right now, okay? We're not gonna get on y'all. We're gonna celebrate yeah. right now. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm celebrating a lot. Um, I know last week we were like, "Oh, I'm not really feeling it." But this week, I'm really feeling it. I've been reflecting a lot on 
particularly this past year and just the beautiful things that I've seen and experienced from Black artists and even like people that I know personally and engage with personally, it's just, oh, like it's so exciting and worthy to be celebrated and I don't know. I I'm seeing a lot of authenticity in ways that we maybe haven't seen or seen much of before. And I'm seeing a lot of black people getting more of a platform to speak their truth in a way that they want to speak it where they have the creative control. And I don't know if that's because I I feel like social media, like the internet has opened up this door for anyone to, you know, do what they want to do and say what they want to say with no apologies and no like bureaucracy trying to, uh, you know, monetize or like dictate what it's supposed to look like. At least, you know, in in most most of the time, like I know there are like there are platforms like, you know, like YouTube where I know like YouTubers kind of have some restrictions on like what type of content they can monetize. And, you know, there's a, a lot of controversy with that. But I feel like if you're not. Uh, I hesitate to say it like this, but I guess if you're not solely dictated by making money, <laughs> It's very easy to, you know, put your work out there and let it be the most authentic thing it can be. I think it gets tricky when the conversation of money comes into play because then it becomes more about the product than the process. And I think that's where things get a little screwed up. And, you know, the powers that be a lot of times the people that are sitting in those power seats are people that aren't us and people that don't understand us and people that only want to make a profit out of us. And therefore, like I said, will appropriate it or exploit it for their own gain. And then we end up compromising the stories that we want to tell. So I don't know. It's kind of, I guess, because I'm in I'm in the realm of artistry where, like, the stuff that I create, I'm not really making much money off of it, if at all. So, pretty much everything is sort of a passion project at this point, and I don't really know what it is or feels like to be in a situation where this is literally your livelihood, like. You know, I do, but I don't like because I've always been this resourceful person where it's like I'm going to work these odd jobs and so that I can work on my passion project. <laughs> um, but I don't know what it is to be in the higher ups, you know, of like executives and people that are making all the decisions where it's sort of like I got to get paid and I got to pay all these other people, which means Sometimes the money is dictating what we do and what we say. Yeah. Does that make sense? That kind of... But... Oh, yeah. I f- oh. Go ahead. 
<laughs> that just I don't know, it just put me in the mindset of the whole video with Steve Harvey and um Wow. I'm blanking. Monique. Monique. Thank you. Lord. Don't want to get into it, but that it just, you know. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> if you don't know what we're saying, just, yeah, Google just go it. Find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with that, I think I, aside from that little blip, um, I am noticing that there's a lot more camaraderie among Black artists. Like, we don't always have to feel like we're in competition with each other. Like, we're working together to create something together, you know, that's for the culture, for the people, for us, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I, I'm noticing that there's starting to become this difference of content where content that's create, that is clearly created to sort of educate white audiences while also being relatable to Black people versus content that's created like for black people by black people and where we really don't have we don't really care about explaining it to anybody else yeah. you know I feel odd I don't know cause I like I've okay like the show Insecure I know some people are like is it I guess when I talk to some people about the show People are like, I don't really get all the things. And it's like, well, I'm not sure if Issa Rae really has the time to explain or educate you on what it is to be a Black woman who is, you know, living their life in their 30s, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, you should, you know educate yourself you know google and libraries are your friends yeah or you don't have to know um yeah like you don't have to know everything to enjoy something because i don't know because i feel like when non-black people consume our content there's this attitude of like they don't feel welcome to enjoy it because they don't understand everything that they are consuming at the time but it's like I've I've always felt like as a black person I've always felt this pressure to like be in the know about what's going on in black culture but also be have just enough knowledge to be in the know of what's going on in white culture you know, so that when I go to work, I'm not totally like, uh, I don't really Brad Pitt who <laughs> like, you know, and then when I <laughs> and then when I go, you know, home or being in black spaces, you know, you got to be up with, you know, did you hear about Cardi B and Nicki Minaj feud? Like, it's just like, <laughs> you know, there's this there's this double pressure to know everything where white people like they don't feel like they have to know everything. They're just they're like I'm absolved from right. that. Um, and so anytime they step into a black space or consume black content, 
it's like, well, I didn't get it. So therefore it's not for me. And it's like, it could be for you. Um, but also recognize that not everything is for you. I don't think they recognize that. Most of the time they want to be included <laughs> in everything. And if they're not, then they get mad. But I wonder how we feel. Yeah. Hmm. I ain't trying hmm. to hear <laughs> Yeah. But I think it's getting better. I... I was at a dance show recently last month. Um, Camille A. Brown, she is a choreographer. She has her own company. And so they came to Nashville and they did a show. And obviously the content was very centered around Black people and the Black experience. And what I found interesting, I mean, it was low-key like a little family reunion for a lot of Black people in Nashville. At least the night I went, I was like, oh, hey, girl, what you, oh, I see you in so long. You know, it's just really awesome. Um, but there were also a lot of white people in the room, too. And they did like a Q&A talkback situation after the show. And they had a little reception. And I was pleasant pleasantly surprised at the response of the white people in the room it was like they recognized that like you know we don't have to be the center of this work for us to enjoy what we saw and you know some people were like I really learned something tonight and some people were just like you guys are awesome you know and that's okay um every it doesn't have to be like you say it doesn't have to be that deep you know I love that. So, yeah. And I I think that's because as artists now, we are just kind of stepping into our own and just being authentic in our voice instead of always trying to wonder how people are going to receive it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... We're going to talk about our current faves, like she said earlier, in different areas. Um, We have some dance, we have some podcasts, we have some music, film, TV, personal people. And as I looked over the list, I also added some YouTubers because, you know, I watch YouTube all the time. So, yeah, (laughs) So we'll get to that. But um, you want to start? I'm okay. So, <laughs> some of our lists actually cross. I looked at yours, like for my podcast list, I didn't write anything down because you wrote down my stuff too. So, you know. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. dancers that I have. So, there's a dancer named Mariah Jasmine. And um, there was a video that was viral of her. I want to say it was last year, but the, I really feel like it might have been like two years ago because, you know, time flies. Um, Right. But yeah, she is an amazing dancer. She does a lot of like sexy work, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. But um, she's also (laughs) very, very trained. So she is amazing. I think the last person that she was just a background dancer for was, I feel like I'm about to get this wrong. Um, Yikes. Let me pull it up really quick on... Instagram. Her Instagram is Ryla underscore. So that's R I L A H H H underscore. 
And the last person she was a background dancer for was where the, oh Drake yeah she's a back, background dancer for Drake ooh so she's super dope super gorgeous black woman and that's that the next dancer I have her Instagram is I believe you pronounce it Cocaina it's spelled C O C A I N N A zero one. That's her handle on Instagram. I really don't know what the type of dance that she does is called. But it's like... I honestly don't have like an actual like name for it. I don't know what it's called. But it's like... um, I really don't even want to say because I don't want to get it wrong. Just go look her up. Okay? She's great. <laughs> She's great. Um, very gorgeous. Again... Um, yeah and then i have two more my absolute fave bay if you know me you know that this is bay bria woods her handle on instagram is bria that's b-r-y-a woods w-o-o-d-s um amazing dancer she's been dancing forever she comes from atlanta she's the best friend of sean bankhead which if you're a dancer you should know well maybe but you should but <laughs> um yeah I feel like you should yes. know him especially at this point he's been choreographing for literally everybody every award show you know but Bria is amazing herself she usually does pretty much all his shows with him um but she's been doing a lot of stuff on her own too and so she has been a background dancer for Janet and some other really really great people but she's also been working on her own music so she's a cross person for dance and music um so that's Bria. And then my last person, Aaliyah Janelle. She is the lady who does the Queens and Lettos classes, which are the videos that have constantly been going viral for like a year now. Like every single video gets passed around, Facebook, Twitter, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aaliyah is great. But my favorite thing about her lately is that she has finally started to show more than just the choreography in her video. She started to including some of her videos on YouTube. I don't know what her handles are on um, Instagram or anything, but I watch her on YouTube. She started to include like talks that she'll have with her classes. And so she had in this one video uh, where they were sitting down talking about what, you know, motivates them and, you know, just all this stuff. So I just love, you know, because just being a dancer, some of the greatest part of the classes to me is not the actual like doing the choreography it's all the information you get before those motivational talks those questions that really make you think and push you harder as a dancer so i like to see that other side of her so yeah that's all i have for dance yeah so for me with dance um i would say more so people that are on the creative side so like choreographers directors teachers so um i mentioned before camille a brown um i'll have yeah you can follow her on instagram um hold on just a second pull up her instagram handle but she is an incredible incredible artist she like i said she has her own company she's also choreographed for broadway particularly um the show once on this island um which is one of my favorite shows ever um so 
Yeah, I recently saw uh, one of the installments of her series, Ink. And when I tell you, I like cried and laughed and just, I, I had a spiritual experience watching her work. And I feel like I've been following her work for a while, like reading about it, um, seeing videos, but to be able to sit in the presence of her work and also her as a as a performer as an artist oh it was like breathtaking and it was like the essence of just all the joys and sorrows and just all the things about being black like it was it resonated and was represented in that space and I noticed a lot of her work was like, like obviously informed by her training, you know, in modern and jazz and contemporary, but there was also this marriage of like social dance, African, um, a, a lot of gestural things, a lot of gestures that, you know, caused the audience to recall to where it was like, even if I couldn't name it, I could claim it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was like, I may not be able to articulate exactly what you meant by that gesture, but that gesture is so familiar to me that it's also mine. And I could like envision someone I knew or just parts of myself within her work. And I was like, yes, just yes, the whole time. Um, and as I've been talking, I've been neglecting um, getting this handle <laughs> for y'all. But um, oh, it's just Camille A. Brown. You know, like like I said, just Google it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, love her. Um, also a huge fan of T. Lang in Atlanta. Um, she's doing some great work. Um, kind of been stalking her for a little while. And I feel like I'm a terrible person because Atlanta is not that far from Nashville. So I don't know why I haven't made the trip down to Atlanta to take her class, but um, it's going to happen. And let's see, Kyle Abraham is another guy, another one that's up and coming and creating good work, has created work for like a whole bunch of companies and um is really diving into the black experience and his work as well while also just you know being normal um kind of has that balance and then you and I both know this amazing woman Jennifer Harge I just I have to shout her out because I want everyone to know about Jennifer Harge and Harge dance stories in Detroit um I don't know, Alicia, you can you can chime in on this because um yeah, Jennifer is yeah, a choreographer, artistic director of Harge Dance Stories. And her work is like embodies a lot of the advocacy and activism, but like putting movement to it in such a such a, a such a way that um can sometimes blur the lines of who's the 
participant and who's the spectator. Would you say that? Continue. Like, at least for me, when I experience her work, it's like I want to be involved and engaged like with the dancers as much as I want to watch what's happening. And it like compels you to uh, think Mm -hmm. and to act because I feel like her work is very unapologetic. It's very like, yeah, this is what it is. We're not going to sugarcoat this. Um, I think back to the piece she set at ISU. This is not a demonstration. And just watching her process of putting that all together and enlivening it with all these different elements like and being so specific to like the costuming and the lighting and you know I remember remember we all made that sign together and it was just so it was so beautiful it was so timely um considering all that was happening at the time when that piece was created and then the works that she's done since then, it's just always yeah. right on time. I don't for that me. was literally I don't that was literally my favorite experience my of undergrad. Experience. Like, like being a part of that. It when I say experience, like I am not using that word lightly. Experience. The whole process. I don't think there's ever been another piece that I've been a part of that has had me so focused the entire time. Like, I don't I don't think that there was ever a rehearsal where I was like itching to get out or, you know, my mind was somewhere else. It was like when I was there, I was there. Like she had me. She had me. But I have to say, I know that this is about Jennifer Harge and she's absolutely amazing. If you hear this, I love you. And I partly would like to shadow you for a while. I could literally send this to her in a message, but I'm just going to put it out here. If you want me to come to Detroit and shadow you, be your intern, any of those things, please let me know. But (laughs) I also want to (laughs) say that I think that that experience was also amazing because of your part in it, Abra. Like you two working together. I I lost my word. Like you definitely brought something to the and it's you didn't even talk like all the time. You're mostly there, you know, just doing your thing. But like Yeah. I don't know. The energy was just so good. Oh such richness. I agree. Should I tell the story about I was my dream? thinking about that like last week. Yes, tell it really quick. <laughs> Okay, so it was the night before the audition for her piece because she was, you know, guest artist residency. And we were all excited, like, ooh. And it's something about Harge where everybody was, there was this energy, like, I'll do anything for Jennifer Harge. Like, you know, because, like, people, uh, there was, like, this rumor going around because I guess someone was in the production meeting, like, you know, oh, I think she wants people laying on the ground. <laughs> and people were like, oh, I'll lay on the ground for Jennifer Harge. I'll put my hands up, like all this stuff. So it's the night before the audition and I have this dream. 
And it's like two scenes in the dream. One scene is where I'm in the in the theater and I am directing dancers on the stage and I'm problem solving through this issue that they're having on stage and um the head of the dance program is like sitting next to me and she's you know nodding her head in approval and then it cuts to a scene where we're in the dance studio about to audition we're all wearing numbers and we're warming up and then the head of the program comes up to me and says hey abra because you're you did such a great job you know doing your thing in the theater you actually don't have to audition. Uh, we're going to have you be Harge's rehearsal assistant. So, you know, just sort of do this audition as a class, like just have fun. And then I woke up and I had like these knots in my stomach and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so nervous for this audition. And you know, you get those audition butterflies, but it was something about like this feeling that was different from any other audition that I've ever done. And I don't know, I think I told like a few people, I was like, I had this really weird dream and now I'm just really, really nervous. And then we get into the studio and Harge, you know, she starts, you know, teaching movement. And it was like, I had so much fun, you know, in the audition. I was like, this is like, there were moments where I forgot that we were in an audition <laughs> because I was just enjoying the movement vocabulary so much. And then, you know, we're waiting for the cast list to go up. And then it says on the cast list, Abra, rehearsal assistant. And I was like, what? <laughs> I just, I remember people like being like, are you a psychic? Are you, are you a and witch? Like, like, what like, are no, you? No, that was just God, but they won't understand. It's all good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, I agree with you. The energy was just on point from everyone from the dancers to Harge to me like yeah and it it was it was incredible like you said experience isn't even the word for it it's just it, it is what it is and it's something that I carry with me um and having that somewhat intimate access to her process and her you know kind of picking her brain and also knowing that like okay she's gonna go away and now it's up to us to maintain the integrity of the work um because for me that work was super important and I became a little protective of it at times <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that you know the vision was being carried out um, and that's something not to be taken lightly. So I just, I, I think the reason why I'd never talked a lot because I was just so absorbed in, in taking as much information as I could so that when she left, like we could yeah. carry it out in the yeah. right way, you know? And I, I definitely think that that happened. 
Yeah. All right, we're going to stop being, you know, stop standing right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Move on. Or do you want to continue with the order that we have already? Or you want to jump around? Um, We can jump around, you know. Okay. So let's go to, let's do music. Yeah. Black AF. You know, yeah, that's also the name of your Spotify playlist, right? Yeah, Black AF dash Black or BHM for Black History Month. (laughs) So check that out on Spotify, you know, if you need your your, um, Black History Month fix. Or if you want to carry it through the rest of the year, the rest of your life. Because, I mean, we get a month technically according to the calendar, but let's be real. We're always popping. Right. I think, yeah, it's a living playlist. I'm always adding to it. Um, Maybe I'll make it uh, shareable where other people can add to it as well. Because you can do that now on Spotify. So if y'all want to be a part of that, just shoot us an email and I'll make it happen. Facts, facts, facts. So... I'm going to start with the ones that I see we have the same. So let's talk about Tank and the Bangas. Ooh. Yo. I stand. I mean. Hard. Stand. Literally, if I met Tariana Tank Ball, that is my celebrity crush. Let's just put that out there. First if of I all, met she's her, beautiful. She's gorgeous. If I like, met her, I don't know what I would do. I just... I want to be her best friend. Same. Like, can I just go on tour with y'all just to be there? Like, just to hang out. Yeah. I mean, I would want to kind of sing background, but I feel like <laughs> I'm not worthy. <laughs> but you know, like, everybody is co- technically considered, like, you know, the bangers. And so when they have their moments where, you know, they be jumping around stages, and stuff, right. they invite the crowd up. You can be right. up there too. Right. It's a space for everybody. I don't know. They're coming to Nashville really soon. So yeah, I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get tickets. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, with that, I also wanted to say they just released, um, I don't know if it's an album EP, but it's called live vibes Two. Have you heard it yet? I have not, but I know, I know they released it and I, yes. I need Maybe. to listen. I need to I listen. listened to it and because she made a post about it and she wanted people mm-hmm. to comment their favorite songs. And so I'll first listen. Now you know it's not the smartest thing to 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 have any type of review off of a first listen. Right. However, there's no denying tanking the bangers. So I doubt that my second, third, fourth listen is gonna change too much. Mm-hmm. So off of first listen my favorite two were New Orleans. New Orleans, however you want to say it. That was my my top. The vibe of that just felt so good. Like, it, it made me wish that I grew up in New Orleans. Um, and then my second one is called DM Pretty. Um, what I love about her is that she, you know, has a background with her poetry and stuff. Like, she's such a theatrical singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this show being so... The background of Live Vibes, too, 
is actually what they did was they took um, some of their biggest fans that they know of who have been to other shows and stuff, and they brought them into a more private space. So it was a smaller concert, and they sang these songs for the first time just for these people and made an album out of it. And so it was very raw. You could hear the audience like yelling out stuff, saying like, oh, I love you, or like responding to what she was saying in the songs and stuff. Um, and it just, it was great. So yeah, make sure you listen to Live Vibes 2 by Tank and the Bangas. Literally just came out like, I think this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Ooh, I can't, I can't wait to listen. I feel like when I listen to Tank and the Bangas, I have to like a first listen I have to like be in my own space mm-hmm. and I have to like like because that that it's also one of those things where it almost becomes like this this experience like I'm having a moment and I have to be in the right space and I've just been like ripping and running around this weekend yeah. um so I can't wait to just like go into my space and receive the magic yeah, Ugh, my favorite I can't place wait. to listen to new music is my car, and that's exactly what I did when I had mm. a little while I was driving across the city. So that's the good part about me being back in Chicago this past weekend is that I have further to drive because you know, yeah, <laughs> out here it ain't nowhere to go. So right. <laughs> um, I listened to literally the entire thing. I think I actually listened to it on the drive home. Um, so that's two hours, plenty of time, and right, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, so next that we have that is similar. Now I don't remember how to say her name. Is it Lizzo? Lizzo? Lizzo. Lizzo. Yes. You can go ahead and talk about her. She she's great. Lizzo. Okay, I actually didn't know who Lizzo was, and <laughs> until this past year, um my friend chloe actually introduced me to her um i was working on a little project with her um like a film dance project and one day we were in the car and she was like okay we need some like feminist vibes going on and she turns on this song by lizzo um it was um her song good as hell and I hear like, I got my hair. And I'm like, who is this? <laughs> and just that line where she's like, he don't love you anymore. So walk your fine house out the door. And I'm like, okay. like, And I feel like people are like, songs like that have been made, but it was just something about it that was so bold. I was like, nobody is making music like this anymore. And it was such a... It, it, it like made you feel good mm-hmm. and it was like this like it was like she was speaking like this universal language of women in general and then I love her because she represents larger women in media and like challenging the norms of beauty and not just with her but like her background dancers like if you've ever seen her perform live like you see it and it's it's amazing Mm -hmm. like she's she's doing it and doing it well so (laughs) doing it and doing it and doing it yeah so um, (laughs) 
I saw her video for Juice on Twitter, and I was Ooh. like, yeah. "Yeah." Well, first of all, you know that I am a <laughs> I'm trying to remember the word. I am a um. Shoot, I can't remember it. I'll come back to it. But anyway, <laughs> I, wa- I watched the video and I was just like smiling the whole time. Like, this girl is great. And then I kept seeing it, of course, because everybody retweets the same stuff. Um, right. And so then somebody else said something about her. And so I was like, let me go check her out. And then I ran into the song, Truth Hurts. And I realized mm-hmm. I actually heard that song before. It was, um, what's the girl name? Who is on Blackish and Grownish, the main girl? Why can't I remember her name right now? Oh yeah, um, I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names in general. I know her name, but like I can't remember it right now. But she had a video dancing to that song. I think her and her mom were in that video, like literally just in the dressing room having fun or something. And I liked mm-hmm. it when I saw that video sometime last year, but I never really went to look up the song. So when I heard the song again and i realized that it was the same girl i just saw in this video i was like oh yes absolutely i have to get into her so i've been playing that um like i like juice but i've been playing truth hurts more because you know it's a great song yeah yeah truth hurts is a good one um good as hell um the fitness one that's on my workout playlist (laughs) gets me pumped um yeah just all of all of it and her videos are also super awesome and creative and again like just challenging the norms um showing like being sexy without it being so much about the male gaze yeah you know for sure i remember what i was gonna say i am well i remember the name of it i'm a weight enthusiast (laughs) because mm. I never had a name for it before and then I saw somebody say that and I was like that is the perfect thing because like yeah. most people would be like you just love fat people and I'm just like okay but like let's not put it that way and not because fat is a bad word but because people usually use it in a bad way mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I love me some fat people <laughs> like listen show that fat girl okay and be proud yes. about it I am always with it. I agree. Oh. And we need more positive fat representation. Yeah. Like in all the things. And that's like something that I really enjoy about Lizzo. Cause she's not just singing, she's dancing, she's owning it, like owning her space and like accentuating her body and not being ashamed of her body and it's beautiful it's sexy it's it's just all the things but it's for her and not just for other people's consumption you know Mm -hmm. she seems very just comfortable and happy with herself yeah yeah so that's what we need absolutely um so i think that's it that we have as far as people in common um so yeah i'll let you go ahead and talk about more people on your list um i want to talk about william matthews who those of you that 
uh, are into like contemporary Christian music might remember him. He used to um, be part of Bethel music. And then I don't really know when he kind of broke off with them, but kind of broke off with them, moved to LA, like moved out of Reading, moved to LA and was like, I'm just an artist. (laughs) Um, Not really tied to any like ministry anymore. Um, But he recently came out with this album that honestly, it was one of those things where it was like right on time in my spiritual journey. It, um, it celeb- it was a celebration of, to me, it was a celebration and reflection of, uh, this sort of like deconstruction, reconstruction conversation that we're having, but it was in the perspective of this beautiful black man who pays homage to his upbringing, his family, his, and, and his, um, advocacy and where he is now um the album is called cosmos and it's just so like every word every note you can tell it was like consciously constructed and strategically placed um it's like divine inspired like i truly believe it so yeah, I would definitely check out Cosmos by William Matthews. Like it, yeah, it like was so, I don't even have the words. I just, I cried a lot <laughs> listening to it. Like I listened to the album straight through because it's one of those albums where it all connects together. But then there's times where I'm like listening to specific tracks over and over and over again. It just speaks so much life. Um, It's very mystical. It's very disruptive. Um, It's very unapologetic, but it's also very filled with grace and love, you know? Um, who else? Who else? I'm like jumping back and forth <laughs> on my list. Um, Georgia Smith. Uh, I saw her in concert a month ago, two months ago. Um, she's great. She, I feel like she's really young. Um, but yeah, you can check her out. Um, there's also her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just came out with a new EP that I've been having on repeat. It's actually divided into two parts, I think. Um, but even her first album um, was like so life-giving. I don't know. And you saw her in concert, right? I surely did. What was it? Okay, what like oh, like her okay, her voice? Girl. Her voice. Yes. Is it is it as like magical? Yes, absolutely. Like okay. Even better because you're there, you feel the voice. And then to top it off, 
I'm actually going to interject right here. Her background singers are also amazing. There's a guy and a girl, and they're both mm-hmm. uh, amazing. And so to interject, the background singer that is the girl, her name is Ajani, and she actually just put out a single not too long ago called 100 Miles. That's one I've had on repeat. Her voice is, yes. That's my song that, like, when I'm getting ready to go somewhere and I want some, like, kind of pumping music. It's not really pumping, but, like, I don't know. Maybe because it's called 100 Miles and it just reminds me of, like, you know, going somewhere fast. That's the first song I'll mm-hmm. turn on when I, like, take off for work in the morning or something. I have it, like, blasted. It's just, it's a great song. So, yeah. But her, if you don't know her, do you know yourself? I just, <laughs> I have questions that need answering. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I love her. And I'm, I always love her because... Uh, you can't tell, like, are we talking about the pronoun? Right. Or are we talking about... <laughs> um, because we don't know her real name, do we? Yes, Gabby Douglas. No, 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 okay. not Douglas. I said Douglas, Lord Jesus. Lord, I was like, what? Gabby Wilson. <laughs> okay. Okay, Gabby Wilson. But she's one of those artists where she's like, y'all really need to know much about me. It's really just about the music. Yeah, but do you, you know, the crazy part is her name, you know, is an acronym. So it actually means something. You know what it means? Mm-hmm. It stands for having everything revealed. And it's exactly what you just said. She doesn't want it to be about her necessarily, but it's like within her music, yeah. that is all that needs to be revealed about her, about her thoughts, about her feelings, or, all, you know, whatever. Yeah. She's dope. Mm. 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 And then oh, who else? Moses Sumney, his voice. I want just his voice to be my boyfriend. <laughs> Is that, if that makes sense. Yes, like his Woo! And then he just put out a song with one of my favorite artists, James Blake. Um so you know and y'all know I'm obsessed with James Blake. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, but he has an album out, um, A Romanticism. Um, he actually is a romantic. Um, and I feel like that is not talked about and represented enough as it is, but particularly among black people. And so I thought it was so interesting that he would highlight that in his music. Um, particularly like there's this one song make out in my car and it's like you know he's saying like you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go to bed with you I'm not trying to do all this stuff I just I just want to make out in my car I just want to have this moment and then we we be out we done yeah and I it was so refreshing because I feel like a lot of um like R&B type music is so focalized on like getting the girl or apologizing to the girl and his music is just like it's it's more ambiguous um to like gender and gender roles and it's really just about the feeling and expression and connections or lack thereof you know um so I really I've really been appreciating his music his work 
Um, and then there's Jamila Woods. Yes, I love her. I saw her in concert. Another, yeah, unapologetic as fuck. Like, <laughs> um, like Black Girl Soldier is my anthem right now. As well as uh, Holy. So, yeah, love her. Um, I think that's really all I had. I mean, I, there's so many for music. That's really like all I have. Yeah. I have a few more right for now. music. Um, <clears throat> who I've absolutely had on repeat Summer Walker with her EP called Clear. Um, it's She's a vibe. I used to be obsessed with her during the Vine days. She used to always make, you know, vines. And you know that mm-hmm. they're so short. And so you would literally get like a, a very, very short taste of her voice. And so I would literally sit there and just let it repeat. So <laughs> now that she is out fully as an artist and being celebrated by so many, it's um, exciting. And I'm happy to enjoy longer than how many seconds were, were the Vine videos? Like, oh, like nine seconds? I don't know. Nine seconds. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we went from nine seconds to maybe like two minutes. <laughs> because then her songs <laughs> in the EP are not that long, like, either. But still, I appreciate it. I won't complain. Um, so there's that. I've also had Dreezy and Cash Doll have a song together called Chanel Slides. And it's just a mm. bop. It is a bop, okay? Like, <laughs> I have my different vibes that, you know, when you're in a certain mood. So, Chanel Slides, you put that on. Baby, listen, I don't own Chanel Slides. I don't own anything <laughs> designer because I, I just don't really care for that type of stuff. But right. when I listen to that song, I'm like, Chanel bag, Chanel tag. Ooh, we bitch, I'm still swag, okay? <laughs> Period. <laughs> I feel like I'm out here getting this money. When really I'm working off a teaching salary, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> um, so that was Dreezy and Cash Doll. And then KCJ. Do you remember KCJ? Yeah. Okay, so KCJ, if you don't remember who she is, she was out a while ago. Um, she had one of the versions of the song Fill Me Up. She's a Christian artist. And she like disappeared for a while, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. I just started following her on Instagram not too long ago and I saw that she was actually doing some stuff in like a school she was like teaching songs to like little kids but they like made the song up together as a class wow. it was really really nice um, because she's also kind of theatrical fun you know uses her mm-hmm. voice in different ways or whatever and she's also just a very like um, positive energy person so that was cool to see her doing that but she actually just dropped an album called The Gathering and it's good it actually reminds me of the song like the energy she had in the song in the video with the kids like her music Mm -hmm. it just has that vibe but what i also love about her is that her music because the fact that she plays guitar and probably just Mm -hmm. maybe her background some of her songs have like a a country like sound or like twang or just like that you know that get up that yeah like that fun country music has but it's still christian music so Mm-hmm. Check out KCJ's The Gathering. And then I have two more people. Um, there's a rapper named Chica. She's become very, very well known through Twitter and Instagram from her videos. Um, she She's, when I say dope, 
like, first of all, I've just been into female rappers a lot, like for the past, like maybe six months or so. So, um, <clears throat> but Chica is amazing. So her name is Chica, but her um, Twitter handle, I think her Twitter handle and her Instagram handle um, are at Oronica, which is O-R-A-N-I-C-U-H-H. And then my last one, Normani from, what was the group that she was in? You ain't got to go to work, 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 work. Oh, oh, what was their name? Them shorties over there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to look it up okay. right now, but go ahead. Um, but yeah, if you don't know, she actually has been doing work, work. <laughs> She's been doing <laughs> her own thing with the music or whatever. And so she has a song. Fifth Harmony. Fifth Harmony. There you go. So she's one of the the fifth, the fifths. So. (laughs) (laughs) Normandy. Wow. So Normandy has a song called Waves that actually came out last year. And it's featuring um, Black, also known as Six Slack. So. (laughs) Waves. Um. like I said, it came out last year, but she just dropped the video for it this year. When I say black beauty, like, it's just... First of all, she's an amazing dancer. She also is really good friends with with Sean Bankhead, so I've seen her do some other behind-the-scenes stuff with him. Um, but the video, like, the production of it, the, the, the colors, it's just everything is just... I love it. So check out that song and video. Um, and then yeah, that's all I have for music. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to shout out Janelle Monet because um, and also to say that she was robbed at the Grammys. But I thought you meant literally robbed. I was about to be like, what? <laughs> yes, she was robbed at the Grammys. Um, because her visual album, Dirty Computer. Um, it was the best of all time. I'm definitely going to pull a Kanye. It was the best (laughs) of all time. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. Dirty computer. It changed my life. It actually gave me the courage to come out. Um, it's, it was just like all things blackness, all things queer, all things, joy um and it's like one of the a narrative where we win in the end like she has to go through some things you know in the storyline but at the end of the day like she's the hero and we win and it's kind of like okay we got this it's a total disruption to what society would deem comfortable and it highlights a lot of Afrofuturism and um you know and she kind of slides in a lot of um little hints like in the song pink in that video you know you see the the a lot of the women wearing these like little um vagina pants (laughs) and then but some of the women don't have the vagina pants and I recently learned that that was intentional because she also wanted to represent trans women and also saying that not all women have vaginas and I thought that was like so clever so beautiful and like I think she did it well because some people you know they want to hit all the things 
um, but they don't always know how to execute it. And I feel like her the execution along with the intention behind the work was just so beautiful and captivating and honest. And yeah, I, re- I wanted to interject Janelle Monet. Um, if you haven't seen Dirty Computer, like you can watch it on YouTube. Um, and then you can also just listen to the album anywhere. But yeah. Um, should we move on to like film and TV? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So for film, TV slash, this is where I added in YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. I actually went the route of, well, I have some people, some shows, all that stuff. So the first person that I have is Amanda Seals. She is yes <laughs> comedian, actress, probably so many other things that I don't even know. But um, she she's just great. My favorite thing about her, I mean, I like her, you know, in her the show she's been on and stuff. But I just love following her on Instagram. Her videos on Instagram hilarious, hilarious but so <laughs> informative and does mm-hmm. not care about shaking the table, calling people out. But she's not like you know ignorant about it. She's not rude. But she's very, very real. Like, listen, this is what it is. And you're going to take it. And that's that. Mm-hmm. And even will go in the comments and call people out if they still say stupid stuff after she said what she said. Love her. Mm. So. You know, she has a podcast. Are you serious? Yeah. I what? It's called Small Doses. I have to follow this. Yeah, girl. I did not know that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. So, yes, Amanda Seals. And then I have She's Gotta Have It, the Netflix show, not the original movie. Mm-hmm. The Netflix show. Yeah. Anybody who was around me at the time that that show came out on Netflix knows that I was slash am obsessed. I wanted to have conversations with everybody about it. Like, oh, what did you think about this? And who was your favorite person that she was with and why? And why did you blah, blah, blah? You know, all these things. Um Mm-hmm. I just thought it was such a great show and I cannot wait until the second season comes out. I know they've been working on it because I follow um, the lead actress whose name I also can't think of right now. I'm blanking on all the names. <laughs> um, I follow her on Instagram and so, you know, she's been posting stuff that they've been working on and so can't wait until that comes out and maybe we can talk about it. Like, you know. Yeah. No. Yes. I actually like haven't finished the first season. You gotta go. Um, I've been t- I've I've been taking <laughs> I've been taking my time on it. Um, but what I've seen so far, I really enjoy, and it's one of the it is one of those shows where it's like, ooh, yes, like, um, I feel like it 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 brings up a lot. Um, okay, so I'm gonna get on it. You yes. know. <laughs> But I mean, I know, just I get I get distracted by other shows. I feel that because you know my go-to is The Office, and so right, I, I don't finish mini series because I'm like, this is good, but I just want to watch The Office right now. So <laughs> I get it. I'm like that with uh, Grey's Anatomy okay. or Portlandia. Okay. Like I'm like, oh, I just need something on. Let's let's put on some Grey's or some Portlandia yeah. and call it a day. Yeah. Well, you have time just you know you need to be ready for season two though okay okay all right (laughs) i got you i got you so another um netflix original 
that I just felt like should be noted in this um, <clears throat> celebration of blackness is Napoli Ever After. There were mm. some good and bad reviews about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't really care to get into the review of it, um, but I did just want to note that I think that it is, it's representation in mm-hmm. multiple ways. So shout out to that movie. Um, and then I'm going to move into now my like YouTube, um, internet people, whatever. Um, so I think I mentioned Demetrius Harmon before and, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on Twitter, his handle is his name, Demetrius Harmon. And he is just a normal person, honestly, but he is a huge advocate for mental health um, for people in general. But I think as a black man, um, him just being so open about it is beautiful. Um, but he's also um, a comedian, very, very hilarious. Him and his best friend um, make videos together and. I just I can't wait until he gets some type of platform to just show his greatness. But in the meantime, Twitter is enough, and he also does have a YouTube channel. So check out Demetrius Harmon, and then along with nice. him, Quinlan Blackwell. Absolutely love her. I think I've also mentioned her before. Her handle on Twitter is Quinn Blackwell. That's Q U E N Blackwell, um, and she's pretty much the same thing as Demetrius, but in the form of a woman so um yeah she's just very real very hilarious she she really is like herself she doesn't make intentional funny videos she literally just will record herself i feel like she's honestly still just like a child just having fun and she just like she just <laughs> likes to be on camera like she's mentioned before that growing up um she would have some friends but like she just would always make videos of herself because that was like her friend <laughs> spending time with herself um so as she's grown she continues to do that but she also shows the size of her um that have to do with her mental health and her journeys and stuff and so with that i'm also very very happy that she has come out of a long journey of depression she i think she said she was depressed for like three years and she um she was just saying that like every day for like the three years or whatever the time was she literally was like angry every day that she woke up because she did not want to be alive. And so she was just celebrating the fact that she doesn't feel that way anymore. And you can really see the happiness like on her. Mm. So it's great. I'm so glad she's thriving. And then my last one, um, one of my favorite YouTube channels, Tariq Ali, that's T-A-R-E-K-A-L-I. He um, he does vlogs. He does um skincare he's done some makeup for you know men like what he does with his makeup um he does like serious talks like some of his videos that have been really big lately he had a talk with his father on his youtube channel where he came out to his dad um and that Mm. video was really really big but it was also really interesting because it was like it was a thing that was understood like his dad already knew but he still felt like he wanted to come out to his dad so that they could I guess solidify their relationship well solidify them rebuilding their relationship because they've had some rifts and they haven't really talked in i think he said like six years or so um so i know for a lot of people that video was really really big and then on my drive back home i actually just let another video of his play with his dad 
where they were talking about mental health. So, so to see two black men, but especially a father and a son, discussing the importance of taking care of yourself and just you know paying attention to your mental health was so necessary. So um, yeah, check him out on YouTube. I'm sorry, I actually have one more. There's another guy named Terrell, and this is a not so you know serious YouTube channel. But he does um, song association. So um, different artists from like all those shows, The Four, or even like bigger artists that he may be able to come in contact with. He invites them on the show. They have like a very small interview in the beginning. And then he plays a game of song association. So he says a word. You have 10 seconds to figure out a song that has the word in the title or in the lyrics. And you start singing. So um <clears throat> that is entertainment and it's always great to watch and just to hear artists like you know you're used to them singing their songs but then to hear them singing other people's songs and how they change it up and all the you know little riffs and runs they do um it's great and then Terrell is very dramatic too so <laughs> when they like you know start killing it singing their songs he will literally like fall out the chair hit them start screaming all types of stuff um so yeah he's he's fun and that is all I have for film, TV, and YouTube. Mm. So for me, um, I, okay, so for like shows, um, I just finished this series called Black Earth Rising on Netflix. How was that? Oh my God. Like, got it amazing <laughs> because if you i don't know if you've seen the show chewing gum mm-hmm. okay so michaela cole who's who like wrote and stars in chewing gum like she mm-hmm. stars in black she's the star of black earth rising and so up until this point i've only seen like her do comedy and you know, chewing gum was like very out there <laughs> comedy, like very, uh, I want to say like slapstick, like very physical, and you know, just like doing the weirdest stuff. Um, yeah. To go from that to Black Earth Rising, totally different vibe. Um, it's super dramatic. It, I don't want to give away spoilers, but it dives into the trauma and the impact of genocide and the backdrop is um sort of the aftermath of the rwandan genocide um but also you know her character has been adopted by a white woman um who is british and there's a lot of conversation about you know, white people interjecting themselves into the problems in Africa Um, and just like within black people in general. um, There's a lot of politics, a lot of political conversations that happen because we see how, you know, the United States um, to the UK to the political climate that's going on in Rwanda and other um, neighboring countries. It's just like, it's like I don't even want to compare it to another show um, because I feel like it wouldn't do it justice you just have to see it 
Um, so there's that. Um, uh, I had a lot of movies. Um, we mentioned Blackish though before. Like, obviously, if you don't watch Blackish on ABC, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so funny, so informative. Um, I feel like they do a good job of, you know, bringing up important conversations. Um, and it's in the point of view where like this black family is being centered. Um, so yeah, that show's great, but I had a lot of movies, um, get out, um, is one of them. I saw that movie twice in theaters Shout out to my Same. friend Zabes who works at the movie theater and was able to get me into one of the shows for free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was like, I mean, that movie is, it's kind of like in the horror drama or genre. Um, and I feel like it has ushered in this revival or a new wave of the horror genre centering black people because like I don't know if you saw the trailer for us and then I Mm. saw this trailer um called Ma and it stars Octavia Spencer yes and she is the villain in the movie like she's basically is going around killing all these white kids (laughs) and you know I, I saw that and I love horror scary suspenseful i love those movies in general but somebody made a comment and was just like you know the scariest part about this is that usually the black person well in that person's view but also in my view the black person will be a black woman will be a person that i would trust the most to go to for something so the fact that she mm-hmm. is like i'm honestly i don't know if i want to see it i'm a little scared yeah it looked a little uh gruesome at times like even in the trailer because like there's this like image of her like I don't know I don't want to get too graphic but I I felt like I saw a flash of like her like sewing someone's lips together and I was like I don't know if I can handle it (laughs) but yeah that is true I think that because you're right like whether you're black or white like everybody loves like that black motherly figure um, where you think like, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to me. Like I can trust you. And then for her to like be this sinister, like evil plotting person, it is a little scary. But I, again, I it's, it's representation that we don't see. Um, and I think it's great that they're challenging that with that film. So I'm excited to see that. Um, but back to Get Out. Um, like, throughout the movie, I kept being like, I know how this brother is feeling right now. Like, it was the first time I saw what being tokenized, like, actually feels like on the big screen. Like, I tell my friends now, like, if you want to know what being tokenized feels like, and, like, if you want to know what microaggressions feel like, watch the movie Get Out. And just really all you need to do is watch the scenes where he's at her parents' party 
because that just like says it all. And so I was just like, ooh, I feel very validated, but I'm also very afraid for you, like <laughs> in this movie. And um, but I love that movie because, you know, we win in the end, like it's not super tragic. And we see a black man being the hero um, where a black man is like, I'm concerned about my friend and I'm about to go out here and save him. Um, I thought that was really cool. So there's yeah. Get Out. Um, Moonlight, I really enjoyed. Um, I thought it was a very important story to tell um, because I feel like a lot of black men are afraid to have the conversations that are being had in the movie Moonlight. Mm. And to see the character being loved and somewhat mentored um, by an older black man, like when he's a child and being affirmed, like it was, it was so powerful to see. Um, And I was actually really glad at the Oscars last year when they thought that La La Land won and then it turned out it was actually Moonlight. Like that was just the icing on the cake. Um, What else? Uh, dope have you seen that movie yeah okay yeah I love that movie um because it's it's kind of in the same universe as the wood I don't know if you saw that film as a kid um kind of a 90s flick but um loved that super fun and then of course you know I gotta shout out Black Panther (laughs) which now that it's on YouTube I'm not YouTube Netflix um, I would say I watch that movie at least once every two weeks. So Black Panther? Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. I, okay, I saw that movie in theaters maybe two or three times. Um, I saw it with my parents and then I saw it with um, some of my friends in Found and like I think I saw it maybe one more time in theaters and then when it came out on Netflix I was like I gotta watch this again and again and again I don't know I just I love the aesthetic of the movie I love the soundtrack the the soundtrack is on repeat um all the time um I don't know it I I mean it I mean it's a typical Marvel movie but it's more than that like it kind of plays into what I was saying earlier about you know, us celebrating blackness and like looking towards the future and not just wallowing on the past. And I felt like that movie really captured that aesthetic for me. Um, and to, I don't know. Um, yeah. And to see like beautiful black women, like being warriors and just super badass and like the costumes. I don't know. I just really love that like gladiator type aesthetic so yeah it was very vibrant and colorful and fun I don't know just it kind of gets me in a mood when I'm feeling low so I'm just put on Black Panther um Wakanda forever (laughs) (laughs) and then my celebrity crush um is Samira Wiley who was she played Pusey in Orange is New Black And then now she's also starring on The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I don't know. I just, 
I love her a lot. I think she's doing really good work. Um, and I just wanted to shout her out because I'll watch anything that she's in at this point. <laughs> so that's what really all I have. I don't know. Should we quickly shout out our like favorite podcasts? I feel like we we have the same ones. Yeah. right yeah okay go for it (laughs) so on our podcast list we have the friend zone which is my top 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 then we have getting grown the read therapy for black girls i actually don't know what jesus and joloff are or still processing okay so jesus and joloff um so you know lovey ajayi she wrote the book i'm judging you which if you haven't read it um it's a must like if you don't have the book alicia i will go negative in my bank account and get it for you (laughs) um (laughs) psych but you should get the book so wait what is it called i'm judging you okay the do better manual um oh i've heard of that yes everyone should read it but yes just read it um, so Lovey Ajayi, like she, uh, she's also a blogger. Like that's how she started out, um, kind of like a, a social commentator on a lot of things. And um, I follow her on Instagram. She's also one of these people that's super comedic, super unapologetic. Um, and then the girl who plays Molly on Insecure, um, her name is. Hold on we are just terrible with names today and it's like i picture all the faces but i don't have the name yvonne orgy yeah Mm -hmm. okay so yeah they have a podcast jesus and jaloff because they're both children of african immigrants so a lot of it is just like that's kind of the backdrop of like kind of centering the experience of like what was what it is to like be raised you know by african immigrants and like so a lot of times they're talking like in this like nigerian accent even though that's not really how they talk every day um but it's like super fun um but they just you know they just talk about like random things um you know, just talking about things they love, like their stories, their life. Um, it's super uplifting. Um, they talk, there was like an episode where they, I think it was called From Bottom to Breakthrough. Um, and so they, like, they talked about the highs and lows of their career and like how they started out and like coming to a place of like triumph where I feel like they're really successful right now. And so that was really encouraging to listen to. But yeah, like they're, you know, it's just, it kind of speaks for itself, like their love for Jesus and their love for Jaloff. <laughs> like, so, um, and if you listen like to their trailer, like they, like they, there's one point where they're like, your blackness is enough on Jesus and Jaloff. And it's just like so cute. So, and then still processing um, is one of like New York Times podcasts and that's hosted by Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham and they're like two of New York Times um, culture writers and so they talk a lot about like 
movies and TV and art and music and things on the internet and like all that kind of stuff. And I love hearing their take on a lot of those things and how it intersects with like the greater conversation, you know, that needs to be happening. So I would highly recommend that as well. And then uh, Small Doses with Amanda Seals, like that's one of my top faves as well. Um, and so she kind of structures that like where she talks about the side effects of dot, dot, dot. And um, so just, she'll just have like a different subject every week. Um, she did one uh, like talking about the side effects of being an Oreo, <laughs> which I really uh, connected to, as you know, because um <laughs> You know, for those of us that grew up where people were like, you talk white, you act white, um, and con- and people calling us like an Oreo and how that her navigating that experience and like owning, owning her blackness and celebrating her blackness and what that looks like for her. And I think that was like a really good episode. So yeah, those are the podcasts that we listen to. Yes. Really quick before we wrap up, I just wanted to shout out um, two personal people on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend Morgan Brown, who I actually kind of grew up with, um, her Instagram is it's Hey Morgan. She does a lot of skincare stuff. Super beautiful. And then the other person is Trey. Went to college with her. She um, has started a business of um, designing. She's an artist. Okay. But Mm -hmm. she does really, really great designs on people's, like, jean jackets, pants. She's made things for uh, people who are in Greek organizations, all that stuff. So her um, Twitter page is at SG underscore underscore creations X. And the name of the business is Sui Generous. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. um, Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and shout out my personal people, too. so Ro Brown, um, she is a dancer, choreographer, teacher here in Nashville, but she also just uh, started a podcast not too long ago. It's called Screw It, Let's Talk About It. Um, and that she just talks about all the things. <laughs> so I would highly recommend you checking her out. And then Courtney French, who I actually went to high school with and we've just stayed in touch ever since. She's an amazing, 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 amazing dancer and choreographer and teacher. Um, She teaches class every Friday at Millennium Dance Complex in Nashville. And then she has her own um, dance company now called Ink Movement. And when they um, actually released a different movement installments on basically on all the social media platforms um and every time she releases a new episode like it just gets better and better um so she's super dope you can follow um ink at ink movement underscore um to get like the latest of those um episodes and then i I can't not shout out my baby brother. Um, He's not my biological brother, but my brother in life and in spirit, um, Albanus Terry. Um, I've known Terry 
since he was a wee boy (laughs) and he's grown into such a beautiful loving kind uh young man who like he's a singer he's a dancer he's a choreographer he's a model like what does he not do he he does it all um but he has a new mixtape out um elephants and flowers and you can listen to that on soundcloud um and then i'll link all his like info in the show notes because he's amazing and i love him and he's one of these he's one of the artists i always tell people like your talent will get you in the door but who you are as a person is going to keep you in the room Mm -hmm. and he's definitely one of those people that you want to keep in the room and I know that like you know it's all God but it's also like who he is and who he embodies to be and like I just whenever I'm in his presence like I feel so much better about myself and I feel so much like affirmation not just as an artist but as a person um so yeah you will you will love his work in whatever capacity you um consume it whether it's through taking his class or just enjoying seeing him move or listening to his music whatever that is so check him out um so should we go we need to just go straight into shameless plug <laughs> Um, yeah, so I um, keep saying this every week until the end of it, but Found Movement Group tickets are on sale for our show, The Way I See It, um, which is choreographed and directed by Kaylin Manning. That show is going to be at track one, March 28th through the 30th. Um, we'll have the ticket link in the show notes. There's three levels of tickets. There's general admission at 25 starting at $25, and then there's like... Uh, priority seating I think at $35 and VIP at $55 Um, so if you go on the ticket link um, it'll explain to you the different um, benefits of the ticket levels but you know um, $25 it ain't that much you know we're probably going to have some special things for everybody no matter what ticket level you're at so please come see us in March and then I am actually going to be performing surprise surprise um I actually was just asked to do this on Saturday um but at National School of the Arts um we'll be having our annual Black History Month show um which is always directed by the marvelous Nomi Eniafe um I am an alum of that show that program um usually um we go like they tour different schools and present the show there's usually like a theme behind it and this year's theme is talking about consent and how that affects our self-esteem and self-worth so really really uh good stuff I choreographed a piece for it and then Nomi was like I need some alumni fillers um in the show so I volunteered my services (laughs) so now I'll be dancing in that as well um and that is going to be February 28th at 7 p.m and that's at Nashville School of the Arts um that's really all I have for shameless plug though follow us on social media 
uh, we're on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod and Twitter at Misfits Mystics. And then shoot us an email at Misfits and Mystics Pod at gmail.com, especially if you want to get in on this fabulous playlist that I've created um, full of blackness and beauty. And um, yeah, I'll try to make that playlist um, shareable to everybody so that everybody can contribute to adding music to it um so if you want access to that just shoot us an email and now without further ado (laughs) we have the song of the week here we go you tell me what song this is okay okay I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm a hundred percent that bitch. Even when I'm crying, yeah, I got four problems. That's the human in me. Bling, bling, then I saw them. That's the goddess. You could have had a bad bitch. Not committal. <laughs> Help you with your career. Just a little. You're supposed to hold me down, but you're holding me back. And that's the sound of me not calling you back. I'm laughing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Truth hurts. Why well, I'm being great till I gotta be great. <laughs> That's my song. Love way. it. <laughs> Thank you for that selection. You're so welcome. Um, yes. I'm loving this, like, closing out with a song. Yeah. It's great. I love it. It's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't really have a benediction other than. Stay warm, stay dry. It's raining so much here in Nashville, y'all. So she um, said it's you know. raining, baby. I looked outside. There is snow on the ground here. So well, still stay warm, high, stay dry. High key, high key. That's why I moved back to Tennessee because I don't, I don't be doing the snow. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, check us next week. Um, I don't know what we're talking about. I think we're talking about something about faith, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But thank you so much for listening to us. Um, stay black. Yes, stay black because that's all you got to do is stay black and die. Period. Done. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs>